Thank you. Next! <laughs> okay. First things first, your exes should be blocked. You know, acknowledging the good things and moving on. We're not about bad vibes here. Are you relationship experts? No. no. <laughs> My pants were wet. <laughs> it ain't even about BDE anymore. It's about thank you, next energy, yeah? Taylor Swift is mocking her exes in her new music videos, which is basically what we do here anyway. Uh, the UK is trying to figure out if the P word is banter. I mean, it absolutely is not fucking banter. I don't even know why we're discussing this. And we are now officially relationship experts. And I'm sick, if you can't tell. Welcome back to Thank You Next. I'm Hardy. You are sick. You are. Not sick. Like sick, like sick or seek. Like that's how they say you see in like America. She's a sick goodie. Anyway, I'm Raj and I am also sick. No, but you're not my kind of sick right now. Not her kind of sick, but I am currently obsessed with a podcast. And I know it's quite a ballsy thing to do. You know, you've just come to listen to our podcast and we're already recommending another podcast. But we're ballsy. What can I say? Got big balls, innit? Um, yeah. Yeah, I got big balls. <laughs> yeah, so the podcast that I want to tell you about is called Sweet Bobby. Need you guys to check that out in your spare time. It is about a wild case of catfishing. It's a true story. And just by coincidence, this podcast is also full of true stories about turning our L's into wins. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry. Every week we look at some of the relationship L's that we've taken in our life and we say thank you next to the shit that ain't serving us anymore. And when we say relationship L's, we mean every single relationship we have in our lives and we reflect on them all. We're talking about our relationships with our parents, our besties, our work squad and ourselves, which obviously is the most important. Your voice has got all sexy now, hasn't it? Has it? it? Because you're sick. Is it sexy? I I couldn't... You know, on the phone, I couldn't clock it at all. That I was like, she doesn't sound sick. You thought I was making it up as well? We'll get on to that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but yeah, on today's episode, we're going to be joined by someone that Hardeep is so excited about. She's a psychologist, a dating and confidence coach. Her name is Mel Schilling. And that name probably rings a bell because you probably know her from Married at First Sight because she's been an expert on that show since 2016. Basically, she's the blonde lady who's Australian, if anyone's wondering. Every time I'm like, male shilling, everyone's like, what? And I'm like, you know, blonde lady, male shilling from Married at First Sight. Maths. Maths, maths. She's from maths. Have you heard? Oh, my God. You haven't seen it, I don't think. But basically, in the Australian Married at First Sight, they say, oh, do you want a pash? What does that mean? Like, tash on? Like, getting your tash on? Tash on as in, like, two people... Kissing or... Yeah, yeah, kissing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's like the Geordie Shore. Geordie Shore is like, do you want to get your tash on? Get your tash on? That's what Why I do know. they say that? That's I don't awful. know. Someone taught me that. I never watched Geordie Shaw, but like someone did teach me that. Like, but. Well, on the Amer- on the uh, Australian Married at First Sight, they say pash. Oh, pash. <laughs> so pash is a snog. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So if you match with anyone on a dating app this week who is Australian, throw that at them. There you go. I'm so excited to talk to Mel. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold and say because you know we've got big balls over here. I'm going to say she's the guest of the year. We've had a lot of great guests. (laughs) So Mal is going to tell us what she wants to say thank you next to while giving us all the tea on Married at First Sight UK and obviously some dating tips, which we clearly need. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at highthankyoutnextpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your relationship lessons and things that have made you want to say thank you next. And you can follow us on socials for funny videos, polls, giveaways, 
saucy pics. We are at Funky Next Pod. We currently have our Guardian article on there, which Raj is about to talk about. Yeah, so shit that went down this week is that it's official. Me and Hardeep are apparently relationship experts now. And the reason why I'm saying that is because we got called relationship experts in a Guardian article. So does that mean that we're relationship experts when we actually have a relationship expert coming on this podcast very soon? I feel like we spend so much time talking about this stuff. We actually kind of, we're not, like we've got no qualifications, but we think about it and talk about it a lot. Just like music. Like you don't have to be, yeah, I don't have to have a music degree to be a music expert, surely. That's absolutely true. I agree. Yeah. So we are. We are. Well, okay, listen, there's uh, something I wanted to talk about because I saw that article and I was really embarrassed by things that I had said. Um, Right. What did you say? I mean, what? One thing you already know. The, the article is just like, it's a guide to teen dating. So we had a couple of questions given to us and we had to answer those questions, right? Mm. So I said, uh, safety first, right? Make sure that you know that they are who they say they are. Check their tagged pics on Instagram. Not bad, not bad. I feel like that's Very, good advice. Yeah, it's all right. It's, it could be good advice. But then uh, it says, this is what the article said. Panda says, and this is a direct quote from me. Not everyone is a serial killer. But it's good practice to act as if they could be. Good practice. Good practice. Mate, like, what do I sound like? Like, not everyone's a serial killer, but just pretend they are. You sound like you've just watched too much Crime Watch. I guess. But like, I'm just kind of like, why did they put that in this article? Yeah, I have no idea. Because writing it down, I know, I thought, oh, this is good advice for young... It was funny. I didn't even think it was funny. I thought it's good advice for young people. It's actually legitimately good advice to think that someone you're going on a date with could kill you. That shows you how out of touch I am. Well, the interesting thing is the article's so serious. So then your <laughs> thing is so out of place. <laughs> it is. And everything you said in the article was so serious. And I was like, oh my God. It's <laughs> like, as if I was what? on our, we were on our best behavior, but we, we were funny when we said we, it was meant to be oh funny. Oh my God. Uh, then there was one other thing. Yeah. That just, I'm not going to spoil this for you guys. The article is in our link in bio on our socials at Thank You Next Pod. But then she, the, she, the writer, she wrote, Panda, who is 37 and a self-confessed shy dater, says, and I was like... Why are we any, why are they picked us then? <laughs> I was like, bruv, why are you outing me? Why are you outing me? Why are you saying A, my age? Like, I, I was like, she didn't mention anybody else's age, but she picked me. Yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah, that's I was weird. like, okay, she picked my age. All right, fine. But then she's like, she's a self-confessed shy dater. Like, now I sound like a pansy. Now I sound like a dickhead. Like, yeah, but maybe that's helpful because other people will be like, I'm a shy data too. Oh, if you're a shy data, slide into RDMs. I think you are a shy data. I am a shy data because like the example. Of- Wait, so you don't like it, but it's true. It's true, but I really feel like she's outed me. Like I feel like I'm out here, yo. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a bad thing. She's been a shy data. It's not like she said you're a serial killer. The, the rest of that sentence is, is a quote from me saying, I plan a phone call with a friend before so they can prep me. We always have a contingency plan if anything gets weird. So if I text them, they'll call me and I can pretend there's an emergency and leave. I remember you specifically wrote that you never do that on a date, right? When we sent our answers back. As in, I don't have a contingency. Yeah, like you never met, you never pretend to leave because of an emergency. Like that's uh, not a thing. Yeah, I've never had that situation, but I do tell people where I'm going to be with and stuff. 
Yeah. Like, I'll be in this area with this person at this time. This is what they look like. Yeah, this is their screenshots of their Hinge profile. I don't know. Yeah, don't just know. for the police records. Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got, to have, you've got to have something. But I just have to say, I have only ever done that once. Okay. But Now it looks like you do it every time. My dating is clearly very limited because I, I don't date a lot. But anyway, never mind. We're getting out there. We're getting out there, Raj. We're going to do it. <laughs> we are relationship experts. There you we go. We are. There you go. These days, I don't know when anyone's hitting on me. I think I had an idea. Someone kind of, I think someone was hitting on me, but I'm not sure. Someone is always hitting on you. That's oh, like up. a standard thing. Uh, yeah, but are they real though? Are they real? Yeah, they're real. They're real. Are they ride or day, die like Jade, Wilder and Will and Jada? If you want to hear about them, Red Table Talk's where you want to go. Oh, there man. you go. Okay, Raj, I've got a story for you. Tell me. <laughs> so I've been ill for quite a few days. And on the weekend, I've got a friend who's moving out of London. So I was meant to go to the party, um, like leaving party, like drinks and food, not like party party. It wasn't a rave. Party, 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 party. I was ill and then... I was getting messages from both people involved in leaving and they were kind of guilt tripping me a little bit. And then obviously I discussed that with them and it's all sorted. That's all fine. I think they were just a bit. They were upset that you weren't coming. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> they told me that um, old, old, old Tink, one old Tink was there. There's old Tink. Oh no. Oh who no. Who I suspected could be there. No. But I thought he wouldn't go if I was going to be, because I'm defo going to be there. They're both my friend, like my friends. Yeah. Whereas he's just a bit like willy nilly, like what wishy washy, like does he even care about them that much? No. Whereas yeah. both of them are my like mates. One is my old housemate. Anyway, so me, I just met her now because she's leaving to move. And I was like, oh yeah, how's the party? And she was like, oh, uh, he was there. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and she was like, he's got a girlfriend. And I was like, oh no. I was like, what and then oh i thought you were gonna tell me something funny no 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 no. listen listen when she said it like uh you know sometimes when something hurts like yeah it didn't hurt there was no part of it that you know sometimes it didn't feel like a kick in the gut no 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 i didn't feel anything i felt nothing actually i kind of was like oh okay that's great yeah but anyway so she said she was wearing a coat or someone was wearing a coat and he was like oh i like your coat my girlfriend's got one. I like said it to her. No, like, you know how you said last week about the Issa Rae and the, if someone asks about how your friend yeah. is, blah, blah. Yeah. I feel like he... Um, He's sending a coded message, is he? She she was like, he said it to me because he knew I would tell you. <laughs> I was just like, okay, cool. Um, Good luck. Good luck and God bless you. Yeah. We're just going to be out here living in abundance and dodging the serial killers and you do you, boo. Yeah, I, yeah. That's interesting that you even got ill at that time and you're probably sitting there being like, why have I got ill? But it was just because like somebody out there in this universe didn't want you to be at that party. Because even though you were cool with it, it's probably something you didn't have to deal with, like being in a, being at a party in a room, like in an apartment with Mandem and his little... Oh, I don't think she was there. Oh, she wasn't. Oh, thank God. If she, okay. if she even exists. Like, She could be just a figment yeah, of someone's imagination. Person. We don't, don't know. know. We don't know. I don't know. Um, that is not what I was expecting. But obviously, going on to that, this dude is in a relationship and we're still single. But there was this thing that... I just saw everywhere. And I've heard of Singles Day before, right? Mm -hmm. But I thought it was like a Japanese, Chinese thing because I know they celebrate stuff like that there mm. and they celebrate being single and stuff. But it, I never knew it crossed over to the rest of the world. And there were Singles Day sales 
everywhere. Yep. ASOS had them. Fucking jewelry websites had them. Fucking anyone. Had, and I was like, Singles Day. What the fuck is even Singles Day? I never noticed it before this year. Did you fall for it? Because I did. No, I was like, Why the fuck are you trying to? And then ASOS this week has had a discount code pretty much every day. And I'm that idiot that ordered stuff before the discount codes came. Raj, I got four bags from Singles oh, Day. Oh my god, really... did you? Fucking yeah, hell. I don't know, man. I'm fucked it. But like, do you even know what Singles Day is? No, all I know is it offered me discount, and that's all I. I cared about also anyone can have sing- you can't you don't have to actually prove that you're single to be get involved in singles day so you could be in a couple and be in singles day there's no like id system is there but what is singles day what are we supposed to be celebrating here like what are we doing i don't know celebrating that we it is that it's a, it's china's it's from china's e-commerce what the fuck is it what is singles day uk oh my god should we create a day should we yeah. create a day um, yeah not singles day um like horny day or something oh my god the guardian did an article about it let me see what the... Why didn't they get us on? Why didn't they ask us? We are the we experts, are experts of being single. Singles Day is a Chinese holiday turned into an online shopping bonanza. But America's, bonanza. too, love to buy things to fill our gaping exist- existential despair. Fucking hell, that was a lot. That's quite deep, that. Gaping existential despair. Right. Seems like she got 10% off Alexander McQueen heels, the lady that wrote this. She's no longer single. Oh my God, she cheated Singles Day. Yeah, that's the thing. You can just you, you can just get involved. That surely should be illegal. It's not fair. So what is it? Singles Day. Right. It's not just a holiday in China where the idea originated and was originally known as Bachelor's Day. It's a shopping season. Bachelor's Day. Is that men and women? We could be bachelors. I don't know what it is. There's no explanation. Right, so no one knows what it is. There we go. I don't know what it is. If anyone knows what it is, you know where we are. Hi, thank you. Next podcast at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. Did you buy anything? Send us some pics. Show us your hauls. Next year, if I know it's coming, I will prep for it and I will literally do all my shopping on singles day. But I, I wasn't, I didn't know it was a thing. Yeah, I didn't know until someone told me at work. So what did they say at work? Like just that. It's they were discount. like, oh, it's singles day, bare discount. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that is. But then I was going to buy loads of clothes anyway, so I did. But I do that thing where I buy shit loads and then I return all of it and just keep like one pair of trousers. I need to talk to you about this track, Ours Alone With You, which is like number 20 something in the chart. Yes. Have you heard it? Yes, I have heard it. It's very pretty to listen to. Pretty track. Is it? It's pretty. It's got pretty um production on it. Yeah, it's pretty. I feel like we need to talk about this. Go on. So it's like, I want to be alone. Alone with you, does that make sense? Are you a serial killer? Is that why? Then it says, I want to steal your soul and hide you in my treasure chest. Every, like, this is on. Like, I'm just walking around down the street and I'm like, Soz, this sounds like hella problematic. Why is no one mentioning this? When I saw those lyrics, I was like, okay, this is like clearly like Dementor level stuff, right? But it's also... Kanye's done these interviews and I haven't heard them, but he's done mm. like this podcast in the States and there's like two episodes and I haven't listened to it, but I've seen excerpts of it. And there's one bit where he's talking about music nowadays and he's like, most of like rap music and whatever, it has, they're using frequencies. So, you know, every sound has a frequency, but they're apparently mm. he's saying that they're using frequencies that are low vibrational and that will mm. like encourage, I don't know, weird behavior and stuff. And I was like, what's, Interesting. He, what's he trying to say about music? So I'm not, like drill i do think who the fuck wakes up and think mm, i'm gonna listen to some drill i don't know man I, it's like it, i guess it's just that thing we just don't get it but yeah what i've learned is that there's an audience for everything uh yeah i think it's a bit problematic but you said audience for everything i came across some video actually about some girl on um, instagram who's selling her own shit and like shipping it 
So there is a fucking audience for everything. She's selling her own feces for money. I've got to be really honest here. For the last few days, I've had a lot of trouble going. Like it's mm. been a real problem. And it's like, I'm like, I've tried to have Indian tea in the morning to make me go and all this stuff. And it's not very like good. But so I have to ask, was it silky? This is the thing. If that's her business and obviously she's doing it, whatever. <laughs> what if you're like, what's the consistency? What consistency is good? What consistency is bad? Is it silky dirty? Because I need, I want to know. I don't know, but I, I think it would be hard and solid. But thing is, it's not always that way. So how do you control it? She must have a very controlled diet if she's, I don't know. Mm, Maybe you can yeah. buy different consistencies of poo, like from her website. Potentially. Right. Let's get to Made in Chelsea. I watched it last night. As did you. Um, I was actually really surprised by Sam Thompson. He exceeded my expectations of him. Liv and Tristan keep going back to each other, doing some, like, they break up, get back, or doing something. They're, like, problematic. It's not working. They're a bit toxic as a couple. They're proper toxic. Also, he can't be single. Yeah. And nor can she. So they're just, like, can't leave each other And he, they like to throw around, like, I love her, but I love her. No, you don't, bro. Brother, you don't. You just want to be with anybody. <sighs> so Tristan said to Sam, who is Liv's mate, I don't know what I want, but he loves her and he wants to marry her, whatever. But he doesn't know what he wants. And then Sam said, you don't, you just want to dig your claws back. I thought that was quite a good, like, woke thing for him to say to a friend. Like, I guess Sam and Tristan are friends too. But I was just like, oh, you're actually recognising that he actually just wants to sink his claws in and not let her get away. What do you make of that? Yeah, you need a friend in your life who's going to pull you up on, like, your problematic shit and actually make you recognise it and stuff. But, like, bloody hell, like, I just can't get over I don't understand what is so good about Tristan. Why does Liv keep going back there? Because I haven't seen the episode you're talking about where she actually goes back. I saw the episode before that because I was watching it a bit last night and I got really bored. So I just watched the episode before because I'd missed it. But you see the teaser of her walking in with a bag. Yeah, yeah. I see the teaser and like she's saying to everyone, I want to make it work with Tristan and all of that, right? And mm. you're like, and everyone's looking at her like, are you okay? You know, like, what are you doing? And then the next shot is her with her bag. And it's just like, what is so good about this guy? What is he giving you that is so good? But she she needs to cut him off. She needs to, she needs cut. to cut it. Even if I was a producer on that show, I would have just been like, Tristan, go home. You're off the show. Bye. What do you make of Ruby being me to Sarah? It's uncalled for. Ruby fixed up. It was so embarrassing because Ruby was like, oh, it's been six months since I've seen my ex. Oh my God. It's been six months and you are still acting like a psycho. Stop it. It's been six months and you've got a problem with some girl talking to him. I don't think I could. Uh, any, any, I don't want to see it, but I'm not going to be mean to them. But I don't want to see it. She made that girl cry. Thing is, Ruby, you know what? She wants Miles and she wants her ex. She wants every man. She wants Miles, but she doesn't want Rez, does she? Yeah, she don't want him. She, she just don't wants want a hold. Him. She wants a hold on him, but she don't want him. That was proper mean girls, like really yeah. mean and just like... And then she laughed after she made her cry. Like yeah. she was like... <laughs> She was like, oh, uh, oh, don't know what she's crying for, stupid bitch. She didn't say that. She was just looked like that. Oh, my God. But the girl, she was like, I'm sorry I'm not a fucking influencer. I'm sorry I'm not an Instagram influencer. She said something. I was like, you're funny. That was good. Like, even though she was in tears, she was like, she still gave a little bit of a line. I was like. I, like, I liked her. I thought she's good vibes. I think she is good vibes. And I just think, like, God, like, you can't expect, okay, let's say I'm going out with someone. And six months later, like, I hear they're getting to know someone what else do i expect i've broken up with them we've broken yeah, up what do yeah. i like it's inevitable right 
I don't want to see it though. You don't. No, yeah, you don't want to see it. But even like your ting that we just talked about earlier, like mm. you knew there was going to be a time in it that that's you're not gonna you're not gonna be. Mean I'm shocked. To... I think it's quite soon. And let's say you went to the party and the person was there. You're not gonna be mean to the person. You're not gonna make that person. Oh no, nah, not to the girl. Ruby's behavior is actually so uncalled for and just unnecessary. Like, just stop it. And the thing is, yeah, it's really bad because, like, you know, like I always say there's no South Asian representation on there. Them lot aren't South Asian, but I claim them as, like, representation. I'm like, I claim Sarah. I'm like, this is not the representation I want. Like, mm. go, don't, stop doing this. Ugh, stop. My dad was just like, why do they all talk like that? Why are they all talking? Like what? You know, like, all like, I, no, I, Reza. Oh, my God. Ugh. Oh, my God. Ruby's voice and um, Habs's voice are, uh, uh. Uh, oh, so irritating. Hardy. Yeah. One last thing about Made in Chelsea, I'm going to ask you. So, at the end, okay, you haven't seen it, but you know it's going to happen. Yeah. Ollie's trying to, like, say to Liv, like, I don't think you should go back there with Tristan. And yeah. obviously she don't listen. Yeah. Um, And then she, at the end of that episode, he she has a go at him being like, you're not supporting me. But he doesn't agree with what he's doing. How do you navigate that situation when your friend's like, bear, oh, got strong opinions about what you should and shouldn't do even though they're just looking out for your best interest and you're just like no i'm gonna get back from my ex this is it and it like you've got to look at the history of it and the history of that situation is that whenever tristan has broken her heart she always goes to ollie and ollie yeah. she says stuff like ollie you're like my father like you know yeah. you're like my gay daddy or whatever and gay daddy <laughs> she ever said that i swear she said you're like my gay, gay you're like my gay dad kind of thing obviously oh, well, i just i yeah, just yeah. added a daddy in there because you know and and it's that thing of like if you have that relationship and like this is someone who literally is picking you up like a father in a fatherly way of course, he, it's okay for him to say, and like your friends don't always have to pour, I guess, every all of your decisions. If I complain to you every month about my boyfriend, though, you would you lose your you lose the will. Like I can only give you this advice so many times before I'm like, I can't give you any more advice. It would get to a point where, isn't it? I'd be like, okay, well, these are your pros and cons. This is what you've got to think about, and I would I would just start giving you the same response right but it wouldn't be that i wouldn't stop listening to you or i wouldn't be there for you but i think obviously they're just he's scared of seeing her get hurt to that extent but i saw the clip where she talks to him very harshly mm. so i don't know what brought that on because i haven't seen it so what why was she so harsh with him because she said mm. something like if you're not going to support me i'll find other friends yeah oh my god that was very good <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah but she said something like that and it was like oh what what brought that on why did she do that don't know i haven't got to that bit oh <laughs> <laughs> I've got to have it. All I know is she went. She went back with a suitcase. Yeah. Uh, then they kissed. I saw the shots of the friends, and they all look like they're gonna cry. She... But I think that just shows like how worried they are for her. Because I think essentially she's messing up her own mental health. Like here, it's more than just fucking around with a guy. It's like you can't begin the process of getting over them if you if you're back in the if you keep going in the you have to put a stop to the she circle keep, she keeps dipping her toe in yeah and then your own like healing you're preventing because you're just fucking going back but then these people and me too you need to keep doing it until you really learn your lesson <laughs> i guess that's what it is that this is her toxic relationship that's gonna shape yeah. uh who she's gonna become in her new relationships it's tiring man oh my god imagine if i just kept doing that again and again oh wow i just think clearly like Liv has more energy than me and you do because we wouldn't be able to Bro. do it i don't think thank you next so we mentioned earlier that Mel Schilling, the relationship expert from Married at First Sight, is going to be joining us today. So let's find out what she is saying thank you next to. 
It's no secret, Mel, we're very excited to have you on the podcast. Oh, I love that. We want to start on a, on a major high. Obviously, we know you from Married at First Sight, but mm-hmm. congratulations on making history as the first Australian coach to be accredited by the International Dating Coach Association. <laughs> yes. What does it mean? What on earth is this thing called a dating coach, right? And why do we need one? You know, we've had personal trainers for years, haven't we? So, you know, we don't think we're instantly an expert in going out and, you know, lifting 10K weights and going for a run. We get someone to help us with that and we get someone to make us accountable and to keep us on track and keep us going. So it's essentially the same thing for dating. A big part of a dating coach's job is about making sure you're self-reflecting yourself aware. Big part of it is accountability. So you're not blaming going, oh, why can't I get a date? No one likes me. What's wrong with the world? All men are bastards or all women lie. No, this is not about blaming other people. This is about taking stock and taking accountability for your own results. So it's pretty hardcore. How did you get into this like line of work? What drew you to think, oh yeah, I want to I want to be in the dating world. Being terminally single. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So how long were you single? 10 years. I had a good decade. My entire 30s, I was single and I was really bad at dating. And (laughs) I think looking back, it's probably because I I just wasn't ready. So I was self-sabotaging. I know that now, but at the time, I was dating all the bad boys, the unavailable guys, the commitment phobes, the Peter Pans. You know them, girls. You probably all dated them as well. We probably dated the same people. <laughs> <laughs> We've all dated them in different clothing. Basically, people who could not give me what I needed because my mindset was all muddled up. I didn't really know what I wanted. I didn't know what the end game was yet. And so I was making choices that was either putting myself in unsafe situations, which I did do, or just situations that were not going to serve me and get me the kind of relationship I wanted. Obviously, I was a psychologist for 20 years. So I've got that behind me and did a lot of work in you know, corporate, but also working one-on-one with people. But I started to retrain in the whole life and business coaching area. And this is when I kind of had one of those aha moments, take a look at yourself, practice what you preach, take your own medicine kind of vibe and just went, whoa, all this advice I'm giving people, mostly women in the corporate world about their careers really relates to dating. So maybe I'll apply some of this to myself, conduct a bit of a self-experiment and see if this stuff works in the dating world. And it did. Wow. I mean, we heard that you were, you know, single for 10 years and you were on the Melbourne dating scene and we were going to ask what the vibe was like over there because in London I don't know what our dating scene is actually to be honest because we're quite prudish we're quite like oh we'll date one person at a time and then we watched Sex and the City and it was all like you have to date five people at a time but um what was Melbourne like? I think that's a really interesting question because it speaks to dating culture. You know, in the US, you know, I, I'm sure it's similar for you guys. We grew up watching American shows where they go dating and they do this yeah. thing. They have this hobby called dating. You know, we didn't have that in Australia. I know that's not common in the UK either. So I think 
Aussies and, and Brits grew up a bit confused about what is this dating thing, you know, <laughs> and I, I was the same. We didn't have that culture either. I remember when I finally got to the pointy end of my dating experience and I finally, I, I joined eHarmony and I started chatting to Gareth, who's my now hubby. I remember saying to a friend, I'm only going to talk to him now. I'm cutting out all the rest of them. And my friend went mental. She said, no, you can't do this. You can't put all your dating eggs in one basket. That's not how this game works. It's a numbers game. You can't do it. But by that point, he'd ticked enough boxes and I I knew, you know, my gut was telling me that this was actually right. And he lived in another state at the time. So we had six weeks of just texting and that's really what formed the foundation of our relationship. That is amazing. And I was thinking this morning about eHarmony and like different apps and stuff. Mm. I was thinking about what is it that is so good about eHarmony in the fact that it worked for you. Mm. You know what I think about eHarmony? I think about serious dating. Like I think about apps and things. I don't think they're that serious. When I think of eHarmony, I do think of serious dating. What is it about that? You're absolutely right. And this is where, you know, I talk a lot to people about getting your dating goals clear. You know, what is it that you want to get out of dating? Do you want to just have a whole range of casual hookups and great sex? Brilliant. Or do you want a long-term committed relationship? Great. Once you're clear on what that destination is, you can choose your path. So if you just want the hookups and the casual stuff, use the swipey dates and, you know, get out there on the mobile apps and that stuff will work for you. It'll give you that instant hit of dopamine, that instant gratification, and that will work for you. But if you do want a serious, as you say, relationship, don't go on the swipey apps because that's not going to give you what you need. You know, it's a bit like saying, I want to run a marathon, but in order to train, I'm going to jump over hurdles, you know? It's counterintuitive. So if you want a long-term relationship, you join a site like eHarmony that is geared towards, you know, measuring people's values and their beliefs about relationships and all that deep stuff that predicts compatibility because that's going to get you what you need. We did a try pattern the horoscope VR. They have a dating site kind of bit. Right. What do you think about the uh, horoscope? Matching based on your astrology. (laughs) Can I tell you, I am born and bred a scientist. So when it comes to things like astrology, (laughs) I can't, I cannot get on board. I'm just not about it. (laughs) If you want to talk about personality types, yeah, we can play with that. But I don't even know the difference between an Aries and a Taurus. And apparently I sit on the cusp of both. So go figure. Oh, you sit on the cusp. So what what are you? Are you an Aries or a Taurus? Well, I'm 20th of April. So it seems to sit Taurus. both. Is it more Taurus or is it more Aries? I don't know. It's on the cusp, but it's Taurus Mm. because 21st is still a Taurus. You can educate me about that. Oh, I'm a Taurus too. I'm excited now. Oh, we're both (laughs) Taurians. Don't know what that means. I think that's why like we're obsessed with how people work. I don't know. I think there is something in that. But I was going to say, so we're going to talk about Married at First Sight, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you were here in the UK. You're living in Brighton. Moved over from Bali. Did you move all your family over from Bali? Uh-huh. Damn. There was some Australia time in the mean, in between those two trips. So we lived in Bali for three years. Oh, my God. So my hubby and my little girl, we, we lived over there. Went there when she was two and a half and just had the most incredible lifestyle. Expat community full of creatives, really entrepreneurial people, just loved it. So that was three years there, came back to Oz for a stint 
and then to the UK. And because my hub is from the UK, I'm not sure whether you're aware, he's Northern Irish. So we've got a lot of family there. Yeah. Yeah, which was great. And we loved Brighton, but I think next year we're coming back again and we'll probably be closer into London this time around. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, is that a hint? Whereabouts? <laughs> just, just yeah. Where? Where is it? <laughs> oh, we, we haven't we haven't decided yet, but we're looking. We're looking in around London. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna be Londoners. Okay, that's good. That's uh-huh. exciting. I'll be hanging about. <laughs> it's gonna be so hard for you guys to film because I feel like Brighton's very chill, very relaxed. Like whereas London, people are gonna be like, oh my god, it's married at first sight. You're gonna have TikTokers everywhere. Like, yeah. Do you know what's oh funny? My god. Last year, oh sorry, earlier this year when I was I was in the UK for five months and I can barely say anyone recognised me, but I know it's going to be different next year because the show's just taken off. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and talking about getting into the contestants, one thing I really want to know when watching, obviously, is how are the contestants actually matched? Great question. It's a little bit different in every region because, you know, this show's in, I think, 27 countries. Like it's it's absolutely everywhere. Yeah, wow. it started in Denmark, but Australia was the first oh region God. to supersize it basically. So Australia introduced the dinner parties and the commitment ceremonies and the final vows and all of those sort of features that become so incredibly fascinating. So in terms of behind the scenes, it's very different everywhere you go, but essentially all it's a very much a collaborative approach. So we look at things like values and personality style. We look at people's dating history. We look at their family histories. We look at all their medical stuff because obviously they need to be healthy. We do the STD checks, always important. Oh, uh-huh. shit. Police checks, looking okay. at, you know, now it's COVID status, you know, all of those sort of things are really, really important. But yeah. when it comes to dating, I mean, the, the actual relationship part, the matching part, look, it's it's an inexact science, you know, it really is. It's not one plus one equals two. There are a number of different combinations, as you would know, in life that could potentially work. So it becomes a pooling of all of that data and we all come together. So it's usually the experts plus producers and it's a really in-depth discussion about, you know, all the pros and cons of different combinations of, of people. It's it's a very long, very iterative process. That's really interesting. Mm. And speaking of the process, speaking of two of the contestants, so Morag and Luke, one thing that we noticed, and this pisses Hardy Poff a lot, mm is that Morag was kind of from the first, I think it was in the first commitment ceremony, she was just saying to you guys, I saw him and I didn't want to rip his clothes off. Mm. And that's a big problem for me. And your reaction to that was kind of like, no, that is not a deal breaker. Mm. Like what is wrong with you? But like everyone makes such a big deal out of this whole thing of like, I need to see someone and rip their clothes off. What is that actually about? And why do so many of us think that that's so important? Well, it's essentially confusing lust with love, isn't it? It's saying I want lust at first sight and sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. And I think one of the biggest lessons to come out of, you know, my time on on maths in in both regions really is learning that the spark can develop. Yeah. And, you know, time and time again we see couples, you know, they'll come to a commitment ceremony and, they're in crisis, you know, maybe one saying stay, the other saying leave, and they're at that breaking point and they can give it another try and take the pressure off and just get to know each other a little bit as friends and all of a sudden the spark starts to develop. We see this all the time, you know, we call it the slow burn and I think it's probably in many ways more common than that 
initial spark. In fact, I would argue that sometimes, um, not just on the show, but in real life too, when there's that initial spark and it's all the hair on the back of your neck standing up, you've got butterflies, it's like you're shaking, it's absolutely that electric feeling, I have to rip your clothes off now. Quite often that is just lust. I shouldn't say just because lust is fabulous, let's be honest. (laughs) There's definitely a place in our lives for lust. But that doesn't always lead to love. I have had that before where that's uh-huh. exactly what you just described. It's like, oh my God, I need to get on top of this person right now. Yes. And it's just like died a death, okay. like literally within yep. weeks. And then I've also had the situation where I've been like really good mm-hmm. friends. Like um, We talked about it on the podcast earlier this year. Being really good friends with someone, our values all aligning, but just like the attraction is not like, I just can't. Yeah. You just don't fancy that person and it's hard. And I think what is hard is tricking your brain into choosing to continue because in some ways you do, you know, because your animalistic brain is saying, no, I don't want to rip their clothes off. Why should I continue? But I think part of, you know, the, the role of us as coaches is to encourage people to sort of override that for a little a little bit of time not forever because that won't work but to try and override that and go okay the animal drive isn't there right now but maybe I'm just going to pause for a moment with this person spend a bit of time engage with them on a deeper level and learn as much as I can about them get really curious and then see what happens interesting Mm. and when you guys the experts get together can I, I feel like you must. You must be like. They have bets. <laughs> yeah. Do you have bets like on who is going to last? And like, do you know deep down, like a nah. little bit, like nah. that feeling? No. Nah. Can nah. I tell you girls, every single season, I'm surprised. Wow. What shocked you this season? In the UK? Yeah. What shocked me actually was Luke's turnaround at the reunion. I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming either. Mm. But. I feel, because I I notice this in my behaviour and I was talking to Raj about this yesterday, I get really like annoyed about things, but I'll just keep it to myself and then one day I'll explode, okay. which is not good. And I'm l- working on that. And I kind of feel like that's what Luke did. Like he was obviously annoyed throughout the process, but didn't mm, let on. Didn't express it. Yeah, maybe you're right. And I think there's, you know, there's so many lessons in in this show. That's that's why I love, you know, being so involved with it because I learn stuff all the time, but I know our viewers do as well. And I think that's what's perhaps so magnetic about the show is we can watch it and see ourselves in in the show, can't we, in people and different relationships and go, oh, I do that or, oh, I'm, I should do that. Definitely. I've got another question about Morag and Luke. <laughs> okay we have to go back we have to go back and the the thing is is okay so another thing Mm. that she sort of complained about in a commitment ceremony was how he dresses and how that really turns her off Mm. and again you gave her a reality check and we were like that's not a deal breaker so i wanted to know what are deal breakers for you that are serious deal breakers that everyone should like be looking out for yeah that's another great question raj your audience are going to get all the gold yeah I love it. No, it is great because I think this is one of the big mistakes that people make in dating is getting muddled up about what deal breakers are. I would say there are two things to consider here. One are deal breakers. The other are relationship preferences. Mm. Deal breakers need to be so strong and clear that if someone showed up playing one of your deal breakers, you would walk away. Mm. Now, a good way to test that out is to think about your values. 
what are the things that are so fundamental to who you are as a person that if they weren't in your life, it wouldn't actually be worth living? That's how strong this stuff is. So let's look at examples. Let's say your values are integrity and health. Let's say they're your highest values. If you start dating someone who sits on the couch all day and eats junk food, doesn't exercise, spouts off racist and homophobic comments and doesn't do what they say they're going to do, don't turn up when they promise, then already the red flags that are coming up there relate directly to your values. They're not showing that health is a value for them and their integrity is really lacking. You can see that through their behaviour. So that's an example of deal breakers. Those are the things that if they show up in a relationship, it's going to lead to poor compatibility and probably a really unhealthy relationship for you. Now, on the other hand, you've got relationship preferences. So these are flexi. These are things that you'd like to have in a relationship. But if all the values-based stuff is there, if they're ticking all those fundamental boxes, then these ones don't matter so much. Mm. So I said for years I would never date a man who was into heavy metal music. Oh, it was, that was such a turnoff to me. Yeah. You know, I had images of headbangers and long hair yeah. and just those bogans, you know, from, from the 80s. I grew up yeah. with the boys who looked like that and <laughs> behaved like that. And I just said, never, I will never, ever date a guy who's into heavy metal. Well, guess what? I'm now married to one. <laughs> oh, wow. And I lovingly fold his heavy, midi, heavy metal T-shirts and think, oh, isn't this hilarious? I thought it was a deal breaker. What did I know? Uh, it was a preference and it was flexible because he ticks all the other boxes. Yeah, that's really important. What is a deal breaker for you? For me? Well, funnily enough, those examples I gave of integrity and health are my values. Mm. So, you know, for me, because I love having a really active, healthy lifestyle, doesn't mean I don't drink or, you know, I'm still, I still love fun, but I like balance. Yeah. Interestingly, I did have a fling with somebody once who was an ex-professional footballer. You'd think that would be a person who was into health. All that is to- the tea you're giving us, Mel. <laughs> I guess so. I've actually never admitted to this publicly. So you girls have got a scoop. (laughs) Was an AFL player. Yep, there you go, right there. (laughs) But all he wanted to do was lie on the couch and watch sport on the TV, eat crap food and drink. I couldn't have been more bored. Yeah. So that was a turn off from a health perspective. But for me, integrity is absolutely up there and respect. You know, if someone does spout something racist or homophobic or transphobic or sexist, instant, not just turn off, that is a deal breaker for me because it tells me about who they are as a person and what they believe in and that's not going to work with me. Mm. We wanted to chat to you about Adam and Taya. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, actually from the beginning, so you know with um, like Cam and Jules like from the Australian one, you, the, yeah. I feel like they were on the same page, they were always going to work. Yes. But with Adam and Taya, when I first came across them, you know Adam was a bit like lads, lads, lads in his video, he'd never had a girlfriend. So I was just yeah. like, oh, not sure what I think about that. But then they said they were going to move in and you were saying like it's a big decision at early stage. Mm. Um, a lot of people have kind of done that during the pandemic. Yes, when is the right time to move in? How long is a piece of string, 
right? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's tricky and every relationship's different. And I guess something that's really important to focus on here is are two members of the partnership moving at the same pace? Mm. You know, that is something we see a lot where maybe one partner is a bit more advanced and is is feeling ready to take that step, the other one's not. So yeah. it's so important that, you know, you have that open communication and check in with each other. When is the right time? I don't know. I guess when perhaps there's some fundamental things that have been established like trust, absolutely. You're not going to move in with someone if you don't trust them. So you need them to have proven to you, not just through words but through behaviour, that they are trustworthy. Yeah. You want to know that, you know, some of those really big goals are aligned, that, you know, you're not going to go to the effort of moving in and then figure out that they don't want to have kids in the future when maybe you do. So I guess it's about being smart and getting all your ducks in a row before you choose to move in, but also listening to your gut. Mm. Do I feel safe? You know, do I feel comfortable? Does this feel right to me? Yeah. One thing that we've had, like we had um, a girl on our podcast last, I think, was it last week? Annie O, right? That was last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she's a DJ and she had been living with her ex for eight years and she said that they literally fell into like a codependent situation where to the point where after the relationship ended, she didn't even know when she had moved out what furniture she liked. Like she couldn't, you know, she had lost herself. And wow. it's I think it's quite a common thing because I had the same thing. Like I feel like when I lived with my ex, we were very codependent. And it, it's something that happens when you live with someone. But yeah. what do you think you can do if you are moving in with someone to sort of make sure you don't fall into patterns like that. Yeah. I think it's a great opportunity moving in together to set a few ground rules, you know, for yourselves but also for the relationship. And a big part of that, you know, for most people I talk to is how you maintain your own space and your own independence. You know, it's there. there is nothing worse than a couple getting into that rut where they do everything together and they're in each other's pockets and there's no spark anymore there's no interest there's no intrigue there's no mystery so having separate interests going away to do things so that you can come back together and share those stories with each other that's the stuff that ignites interest and intrigue so important speaking of moving in or being closer to each other I did some stalking this morning and found out Marilise and Frankie are no longer together. That is correct. I did hear that too. Is that a shock to you? No, it's not a shock to me. Why? Um, Well, I I think you would have seen glimpses, well, not even glimpses, you you, you saw a, a good unpacking of the dynamic between the two of them. And what you probably noticed also was throughout the experiment, Marilise gradually starting to find her voice and standing up to him and letting him know that, his more dominant behaviour was not really okay with her. So I'm not surprised that it hasn't worked out long-term for them. I think the two of them both probably learned a lot about themselves in relationships. So I think I feel confident that they're both going to go on and find great partners, but that's not with each other. There was an article and it was like, it was the unpacking of whatever she was saying of the aftermath of her leaving. What she said is um, she'd like someone a bit more like her. I always find people saying this, like, I uh, want someone a bit more like me. But I always think maybe like two of the exact same people would be very draining. Mm. Like, Is that realistic? Mm. And boring, right? Yeah. It's a really interesting debate. You know, people talk about that difference between like attracts like and opposites attract. And I really do think both are true and both can work in relationships as long as the fundamental stuff is right. Mm. Ultimately, 
I like to think that if a couple have shared or aligned values and, you know, goals for the relationship and, and beliefs about life, that sort of stuff, if that stuff is good and is compatible, then I don't think it matters if the more superficial stuff is similar or different because you're going to have the glue that holds you together. Yeah. Um, and before Bob left, you told him that your wish for him was that he would fall in love with himself. Yeah. So what advice would you give to people listening who are struggling with that? Because mm. it's quite a tough thing to achieve. It is. Yep. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to Bob. You know, I think a lot of us have have been there and have been in that place where we don't really think we deserve love or happiness. Mm. Do you know what I think is interesting with us coming out of the pandemic now is there's there's really an opportunity to kind of draw a, a line in the sand and say, this was my pre-pandemic dating life and this is my post-pandemic <laughs> dating life. And so this is a new beginning. So it's a great opportunity to say, right, from now on, moving forward, I'm going to shift my mindset. I'm going to start by believing that I absolutely deserve a great relationship in all its messy fabulousness. Everything that there is about a great relationship, I'm up for it and I deserve it. And starting the day like that is just such a positive way to step into this next phase of your life. You know, building self-esteem is something that can take a long time, but one of the things that can fast track it is having little wins. So when it comes to dating, that's not necessarily about jumping in the deep end, particularly post-COVID and lockdown, when most of us are feeling a bit low on the confidence scale. There is a global crisis of confidence, I believe, coming out of COVID because we've all been locked down. We haven't been having our normal outlets, our exercise, our social connections, all of that stuff to build up our well-being and our self-esteem. So we're all a bit depleted. So I don't think people need to jump into the next dating adventure, but to start gradually and, you know, maybe it's having a little bit of video dating or, you know, just chatting to someone via text to start with. Get a few, a few ego boosts, you know, just get a few little runs on the board before you start really committing to the dating life and that will gradually help you build that self-esteem again. Are there any books that you've read that you've been like, these are been very helpful for you that you would recommend for other people? Maybe the one I'm about to finish writing. Uh, <laughs> That's so exciting. Okay. So tell, tell us about this book. It's all about this. It's called The C Word and it's all about confidence. So loads of examples, dating examples, career examples, life examples. And this is what it's about. You know, it's about, well, firstly, overcoming fear, then stepping into courage and then building confidence. And I, I really believe that's how you build confidence, by taking courageous action, little steps to extend your comfort zone so that you can start to feel more confident. But I can tell you a book that I've read in the dating genre that I do not recommend. Oh, okay. Can I okay. flip that on its head? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. You've probably heard of it. It's called The Rules. And have you heard of it? Yes. One of the a girl from work did suggest it and it sounds a bit gamey. Oh, it's so gamey. Okay. It right. is vile. It is so manipulative. It is oh, shit. basically, I believe, a list of everything you shouldn't do. It's how to play games and manipulate your way into a relationship, which, of course, as we know, one of the things most people value highest is authenticity. So if you're faking it, 
going into a relationship, all that's going to do is create a really unstable, unhappy relationship. Yeah. Um, so I'm anti, anti the rules, anti game playing. I'm all about if you like someone, find a way to tell them, you know, just have those conversations and put your big girl pants on. That is so yeah. interesting. I'm so glad <laughs> I didn't buy it. Don't buy it. Yeah. When is your book coming out? <laughs> It'll be released in the UK in probably September next year. So it's about a year Ooh. off. These things are slow. <laughs> That's exciting though. I, mean, I know. I'm so excited. I'm going to literally finish the last chapter this weekend. So it's really exciting times. Oh my God. Amazing. So before we get into your relationship lessons, mm-hmm. we're going to give you the floor to say thank you next to something that you just think isn't right at the moment, other than the rules. <laughs> uh-huh. Other than the rules, which I, I could have said thank you next to. You know what? This is a bit of a weird one, but I'm saying thank you next to people who have no spatial awareness. I'm talking about the people who get to the end of an escalator and stop. They just stand there. <laughs> oh, my God. Or people who dwell in a doorway. No, don't stand in the doorway. People need to get through. Or people who stop on a footpath, usually looking at their phone, taking up all this space on the footpath so people can't get past. Don't do that. Become aware of your surroundings and respect other people, people. Yes, I get angry about this. <laughs> I get it I get it so in London obviously you have to stand on the right on escalators but I absolutely when you're on the tube but then I always get people like standing on the left or like stopping at the bottom I try I don't know if I'm in a rush then it's really a problem yeah it's probably the Aussies yeah maybe yeah it's probably all the Aussies standing on the left because we stand on the left (laughs) the confused little Aussies yeah we stand on the left yeah. When was the last time this happened to you? Oh, today. Really? <laughs> Literally. I'm in Sydney and Manly Beach at the moment. I have this incredible beachside walk that I do every single day and it's about, about a 1,000 steps in terms of steps, which I love getting my 1,000 steps done. 10,000, yeah. sorry, not 1,000, 10,000 10, steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Underestimating like, oh, myself beach. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 10,000. Um, and all the time people, there's joggers and everything along this this track and people will just stop. No reason. Just stop. Maybe they're on a phone call. Whatever's going on. No. (laughs) Look around you. There's people everywhere going in every direction. Oh, so annoying. We feel you. (laughs) Do do people recognize you a lot when you're walking around the beaches and things? Do you know what's interesting? When I'm looking like this, which is absolutely makeup free and my hair back. Amazing. Thank you. Very rarely get noticed. But it's more when I've got makeup on and I've kind of got my TV self happening that people tend to notice yeah (laughs) it's good i'm under the radar thank you now we're going to get into your first lesson so one taught me to know who your a-list is and set clear boundaries okay what is an a-list right you have an a-list a b-list and a c-list in your life of people who orbit you in life And you've got decisions to make about who is in your very, very exclusive, important A-list. So I find generally people should, if they're doing it right, have only between maybe one and three, maybe four people in that A-list. So these are the people you can be absolutely raw with, where you can be as vulnerable as you like. These are the people that you open up and empty your guts with. 
This is a safe place. It's judgment-free. These are the very rare people that you can be 100% you with. So let's say you had a date on the weekend. You would probably go to your A-list and tell them that you did something that was embarrassing or that you maybe humiliated yourself or maybe your hopes are really high and you've become obsessed with this person. You know, things like that, that that make you a little bit vulnerable. And, you know, if you were to say them out there in a less safe space, you might be laughed at. These kinds of things, that's where your A-list sit. Then as you go out a little bit further, you've got your B-list. So these are often still people you might call friends or colleagues, but you set a boundary in terms of the amount of emotional disclosure you do with them. You make choices about how much of the real you they get to see. So to the dating example, if you had a date on the weekend, you might tell them that you had a date on the weekend. You might say where you went. You might say what you wore, you know, those sort of transactional things, Mm. but you're not going to talk about any of the emotional content because that's private and that's just for your A-list because you've probably made a call with each of those people in your B-list that it's not 100% right or safe for you. Maybe they're a bit judgy. Maybe they're people who get jealous of you. Maybe they're people who blame you for stuff. So for whatever reason, you're not allowing them into your A-list. And then further out, you've got your C-list who are really acquaintances and they're people that, you know, if you had a date on the weekend, you wouldn't even mention it to them. It's none of their business. So this is the structure But I guess the real challenge comes in making the smart decisions about who fits where Mm. and asking yourself the question, are there any B or C listers in A-list clothing? Mm. Is there anyone there who doesn't deserve to be there? Yeah. So legacy friends, for example, friends who've just always been in your life and they're just always there and you don't, you know, you go through life not thinking about it, not making a judgment to have them in your life. They're just always there. But maybe that doesn't serve you anymore. Maybe they've gotten to a point in their life where they've become really judgmental of you. And maybe after every time you connect with them, you feel really drained. So these are the kinds of questions, you know, you can ask yourself about who am I letting into my sort of close quarters, my A-list? Is it serving me? Does it feel good? Is it lifting me up? Does it bring out my strengths? Is it good for me? And what kind of boundary would you make? And have you made a boundary with your list, for example? Yeah. I mean, I certainly have things that, like with family members, for example, certain things about my life and work that I will share with them, certain things I won't. And that's just through experience, you know, in the past where maybe I've shared something and it didn't land the way I needed it to or they, they weren't really interested and I know that, you know, it's, it's not going to serve me to, to share that type of information with them. So I'm going to keep it to myself. You know, you don't have to be an open book with everyone. You know, as adults, one of the great things about being as an adult is we get to have our own judgment and make our own choices about what we share with whom. So this is about being really smart and discerning about what you share. Mm, and how set in stone are your boundaries? Like, do you ever make exceptions? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it comes back to similar to what we were talking about before with deal breakers versus preferences. You know, there are some things that, you know, you might bend a little bit on and other things that are absolutely 
you know, hardcore. For example, when it comes to talking about your sex life or, or your religion or your political beliefs or your money, you know, even more taboo than all those other things. Who do you talk to about that stuff? Mm-hmm. And what would happen if you talk to someone who's a B-lister about that stuff? Mm. How would that land? Would that work for you? I was going to ask, like, you know, so those are like boundaries that you've got with yourself. And what about boundaries? You know, when you have boundaries about how other people act around you. So like, let's say, for example, mm-hmm. if someone spoke to you in a manner that you thought was rude or, you know, mm-hmm. that upset you or whatever. And that's like, let's say you had that boundary in place for yourself. Like, I'm not going to speak to anyone. This is me, basically. She's just waiting for me to say, it. this is me, basically. So someone has recently spoken to me um, mm-hmm. in a way where it's really hurt me. It's really upset me. And we've tried to talk about it. And my reaction to it has been like, I just want to cut you off. Mm-hmm. So why did it hurt you so deeply? What was it about the way they spoke to you? Basically, I was in a really shitty relationship where the ex would speak to me like that and gaslight me and make mm. me feel like shit. And it was quite emotionally abusive. And since I've come out of that, mm. I, like, obviously I went through all the low phases and all of that. But since I've come out of that, I'm like, I'm not going to settle for being spoken to like that by anybody. And, Great. you know, this person's very aware of that, but they've still done it and they've done it two weeks in a row sort of and mm-hmm. um we've had a conversation about it and they can't sort of they're not seeing my point of view on it so I'm just kind of like okay I just actually okay I don't want to that's what I was going to ask you is is breaking one boundary enough to cut off a relationship well you've just told me that they've spoken to you in a way that triggered you based on a past abusive relationship that's pretty important yeah you know this is <laughs> this is top shelf stuff in terms of what's important to you and and pinging your values You've told me that you tried to address it with them on two occasions. Yeah. They didn't hear the message. Yeah. So you've got to make a decision about whether you want someone in your life who's going to trigger you and your your past abusive relationship. I like that you've spoken to them about it. You know, that's great. You've you've said I I don't I don't want you speaking to me like that. Were were you quite direct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they told me what their issue was and I told them what my issue was, but then uh, the response I got was, oh, you're making this a personal attack. And I was like, well, it felt right. like one. and Which is actually gaslighting as well. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what? Like there's, I can't do anything else now. So I've just left it and they've left it too. So mm. I'm just kind of like, that's fine. So maybe you demote them to your C list. You don't have to open up your heart to that person because they're going to squash it. They've demonstrated to you that that's, that's their MO. Yeah, definitely. You know, like someone who squashes your heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I have someone in my life who squashed my heart and I um, right. uh, can't physically get away from them too much because they're still around. I find myself sometimes getting triggered by the same situation like again and again and again, like, you know, maybe months or years down the line. And then I beat myself up for it. Is that like normal to get triggered again by the same things? So when you say triggered, do you mean it triggers something else from your past? Just like when you see them, it just reminds you of what happened, like, and those feelings kind of come back yeah i don't know it's like when it, the pain doesn't go like it does yeah it obviously it goes i'm not sitting here crying about it but the pain when your heart gets squashed ever go away do you know what the good thing is you have a brain as well as a heart and the good thing about the brain is you can use it in a really smart way so you can essentially trick your heart by changing that story you can change that narrative. You can take control of it. So rather than every time you see that person, allowing those automatic thoughts to come up and all of the physiological things that go with it, change the narrative. Override it. Go, okay, automatic thoughts come up. I feel triggered. But what I'm going to tell myself is 
this person is X or, you know, some kind of kind of mantra that you can place there that brings you back down to that place of being calm and in control and telling yourself that they can't hurt me anymore. They can't impact how I'm feeling. Interesting. Thank you, Mel. Yeah. I feel like we've just had therapy now. Just had a little bit. I just, just had a podcast, but a little bit of therapy and now back to the podcast. A bit. Um, so what are you saying thank you next to? I'm saying thank you next to unclear boundaries. Thanks, but uh, next. And now we're on to lesson two. So one taught me. To say no positively. Oh, wow. What is a positive no? How do you say a positive no? Do you know, so many people I speak to find it hard to say no. Yeah. You know, this is part of assertiveness, isn't it? You know, and again, it's about boundaries as well. It's about setting boundaries. But I love this. I I learned this a few years back and it was developed by a guy named William Urey out of Harvard. And it's basically a very, very simple approach to saying no to someone, but maintaining your own integrity and looking out for yourself as well. So the process goes like this. Yes, no, yes. So you start with yes, which is essentially a yes to yourself, and that just happens internally. And I'll give you an example in a moment. Then you say no to the person, not no but, not no sorry, just no full stop, swiftly followed up by an alternative yes. So let's say you're saving to buy a deposit, to put a deposit on a house. So a big part of your life right now is putting a certain percentage of your income every week away for savings. So you know what your dis- disposable income is. Then a girlfriend comes to you and she says, oh, I've just got tickets to this amazing event. It's going to be wall-to-wall champagne, gorgeous men. We can wear the fancy frocks, get all done up. It's going to be amazing. And it's 500 quid ahead. You go, <sighs> deep breath. <laughs> First thing you do <laughs> is you say yes to yourself and your savings goal. So, yep, Mm -hmm. first thing I'm doing is, yes, I'm committing to myself because I know this is really important to me. It's my highest goal at the moment. Then I'm going to say no to her, swiftly followed up with, but why don't you all come round to my place for pre-drinks? I can make you all cocktails when you go. Or how about I meet up with you for a debrief brunch the morning after? So can you see what we're doing there? You're offering an alternative so you're still maintaining that relationship. You're still offering something. But it's on your terms. Mm. It's offering something that is still going to meet your own needs as well as theirs. It's a bit of a a yes, yes outcome. I I feel like I do this with my dad. So basically, our relationship's always not been the easiest. And we've got such different, yeah, different values, different interests. Mm. But the main thing is we care about each other and we do actually want each other in each other's lives. Despite that, we sometimes can't agree on like when to hang out or what to do. Mm. I've kind of learned that if I do something that, he suggests that I don't really want to do that I know I don't really want to do it makes me feel like shitty or like resentful about it Mm -hmm. so then I try and suggest things that are a bit more like work a bit more on my terms and that I would also have an interest in so I just feel happier about the situation for example the other day he was like do you want to go to this restaurant and I was like "Mm, actually can we go to the park go for a walk and then grab some food instead of just like sitting at a restaurant and eating loads of food and just feeling like you know when you, you know sometimes you go and eat you you get a car to eat you sit down and eat you eat and then you yeah. drive back and it's yeah. just like ugh, you feel yeah. like sluggish oh it was like sedentary. i want to feel a bit 
Mm. Yeah, I wanted a bit of energy from outside, you know, to breathe in the air and things. Yeah, that, that's a great example. So the first thing you did with, was you checked in with yourself. Okay, this is about my needs for having some vitality and some energy and not feeling sluggish. That's important to me. So I'm saying yes to that, saying no to dad's restaurant idea, but offering a solution, an alternative that is something that is going to meet both your needs. Look at you go, You're already doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Is this basically foolproof or has it never worked? Does it ever backfire? Look, I think like anything with when you're dealing with other humans, it can always backfire. You know, we, we're not robots. So, <laughs> yeah. they, they, you know, you can offer this alternative and they can say, no, I only mm. want that, you know. So then it becomes a, a discussion and a negotiation. But I think it's a really good first position to be presenting yourself this way and making sure that you're maintaining your own integrity but also the integrity of the friendship or relationship. Yeah. So what are you saying thank you next to, Mel? I'm saying thank you next to always saying yes. Mm, Yeah, I feel like I was that friend that always said yes and now I'm looking back on Mm. everything and I'm like, oh my God, I had no boundaries and everyone else had boundaries and I was just bowing down to their boundaries and having none for myself, which is mad. Isn't it interesting though about that, about always saying yes, but isn't there like the thought or like you would see those posts or or like in books it's like say yes like dare Mm -hmm. you for a month to say yes to everything (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. so that is something that's out there i know what i know what you're talking about i I absolutely know and i've and i've done this with clients as well Mm. um for different reasons when i say um i'm saying thank you next to saying yes all the time i mean saying yes when i mean no Mm. thank you next So we'll get on to your third and final lesson. So one taught me to take accountability for my own stuff. How did you learn this lesson? Oh, look, this one, I feel like I learn it on the daily, but (laughs) this one, it's particularly in in the work that I do, is very much about putting on your big girl pants or your big boy pants. And particularly if you've done something wrong. Showing vulnerability, as we know, is a real strength in relationships and a couple of ways to show vulnerability are to say sorry and to say thank you because what those words do is essentially for a little moment lower your status to the other person and it's saying if you're saying sorry, you're saying I did the wrong thing, I mm. take accountability for that and I'm, I'm sorry mm. or thank you, again, you're lowering your status ever so slightly and saying thank you, what you've done for me is incredible and this is what it means to me. Mm. Um, Asking for help is another one. So accountability really is a way of showing absolute guts, Mm. you know. I see so many examples of people not owning up to their shit, you know, either blaming others or making excuses. Oh, making excuses is a big one. What's the biggest excuses you see? I find, okay, if we look at it in a dating context, let's say, you know, someone is saying, I can't get a date because I'm so busy. My life's too busy, which really means I'm not prioritizing a relationship. Yeah. Or I can't get a date until I lose weight. That's another really common one, particularly (laughs) post-COVID, COVID kilos. Is this sounding a bit familiar, Raj? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, it's an um, excuse. What, are those excu- what do those excuses mean, Mel? What do they mean? 
it is an excuse. It's a cop out. It's a diversionary yeah. tactic. It's it's putting your own barriers in front of yourself. It's stopping your own success. Mm-hmm. Oh, self sabotage. Is that what it is? Absolutely. It's an imaginary oh, no. barrier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On this note, though, Mel, I'm really I am trying to change it, but I have this. I don't know where it comes from. I have this fundamental belief that you cannot be a working I'm going to just say woman because we're women here Mm. like woman and like striving and achieving and doing things and have a successful relationship at the same time I know that is not correct and people do when they've got a stable partner or whatever Mm -hmm. they've got the support they need the friend blah blah they can completely like excel I feel like that is something that, that I can't get past Yep, and I, I can totally relate to that. I think when I was single, I told myself the same thing. Mm. You know, what? why would I give up my independence or why would I want some man to come and stand in the way of my career or try and tell me what mm. to do and, you know, still, excuse me, I would say the most common phrase in my relationship with Gareth is, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so not a lot's changed, but... I am an example now of someone, a woman, who is Mm. literally pursuing every career opportunity under the sun. Like I absolutely doing everything I want to be doing and I have a great relationship. I could not be doing what I'm doing without him because right now I'm in Sydney, he's in Melbourne with our daughter and he's Mm. doing the home thing, you know. Mm. He enables me to do that. There was times when we were living in Bali. The two of them stayed in Bali. I came back to Australia to work, you know. He enables me to do more of my career. I couldn't do half of what I do if I didn't have the support of my partner. Mm. So maybe there's an opportunity there to flip that script a little bit and say rather than looking at what I'd have to give up to get into a great relationship, looking at what I can actually gain and I can go further this is so dumb, but literally earlier this year, I think I said it to Raj. I was like, yeah, but if they come in my life and I start dating them, I won't be able to do my face massage before I go it was to bed su- at night. That's such a crazy, that was actually just ridiculous. <laughs> do you remember yeah, when I said I that? Like, like, they could do it with mad. you. Like they would just stand next to you. I was like, like they were just like, yeah. I'm, I'm just getting into the routine of doing my face massage. And if they're there, like they'll be in the way. No. <laughs> do you know what? You're, like, you are sounding super single to me. <laughs> Super single. <laughs> That's so Which, funny. you know, aka inflexible. Mm. <laughs> oh. Uh huh. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yes. It hurts. It, it hurts. I know. I know. I hear you. I was there. Inflexible, inflexible. Uh So going back to (laughs) accountability, (laughs) um, a lot of that was kind of like about, I guess it could be about ourselves and being, making sure that we're accountable ourselves or, you know, in our relationships, our friends are accountable or or our partners. But I think a lot of us think accountability, I don't know, I guess people think they're accountable or they're holding themselves accountable. Mm. But like, let's say that if they're not saying sorry, or they're not saying thank you, what other ways are Mm. there that we can, we can tell that we are holding ourselves accountable or someone else is? without the sorry or the thank you? Well, it, it, it really is about owning your stuff. Mm. If you look at the example of when things go wrong, which mm. is, a, you know, a really clear example of accountability, a relationship breaks down or you don't get a job or, you know, something happens, looking at that situation and saying, what did I do to contribute to that problem? Mm-hmm. And that's a question that I think we don't ask ourselves enough. Yeah. Because it involves 
dropping a little pride, yeah, dropping a bit of ego, putting your ego aside for a minute and going, actually, I didn't do so well on A, I could have done B better and I could have done more of C. Yeah. Great. There's a lesson. I'll do that next time. So self-awareness as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a big part of it. Yeah. I think we saw that with Alexis in this last series because mm-hmm. at the start she did get quite angry and about the way Jordan was, which I get because he was not showing any emotion, which I would yeah. also find very frustrating. I feel like you could see her journey throughout the yeah. series. Yeah, absolutely. And then you saw her at the reunion stand up and hug Megan. Mm. Gorgeous. So Mel, what are you saying thank you next to? I'm saying thank you next to avoiding accountability. Mm-hmm. And I am dying to ask you now that we've just gone really quickly back into the Married at First Sight chat again. <laughs> yeah. uh, who is your favourite couple? Oh, I couldn't possibly say, but it's Dan and Matt. <laughs> oh, they are. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, that is like the dream. Aren't they divine? From the moment they clapped eyes on each other. Insane. Yes. That is an example of instant spark that maintains and to this day maintains. They're in a great relationship. They're great guys. They, they are great. They're amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Where can people find out more about you? Instagram is where I live. So I'm just Mel underscore shilling number one. Yeah. That's the best place. Come over and follow me. I've got, you know, loads of stuff in my links. You have a lot of links, by the way, Mel. <laughs> I do. You have more, the most amount of links <laughs> I've ever seen. I have an amazing it's because you've just got so much to offer. I've got know? so much content and I've, you know, I've been doing it for a long time, I guess is the thing. And I've got an amazing team who work with me who make sure that, you know, I've got all of my old blogs and all that sort of stuff that's constantly being recirculated, which is wonderful. But, you know, probably the thing I'm, I'm most proud of at the moment is the C word, which is the online program. It's just for women mm-hmm. and it's about building confidence. So that's the thing I'm, I'm loving the most at the moment. Oh, wow. And how do you do that? So it's online, right? It is. So at the moment, just go to my Instagram, go to my link, and there's a wait list that you can join. We're not, doors aren't open at the moment, um, but we will be reopening again really soon. Amazing. And are you taking on new clients at the moment? Like what if someone listening was like, oh, I could do with Mel? No, (laughs) unfortunately not. I don't have the time. So really the C word online program is the only way to work with me directly. And I do come together like this in an online forum and and do group coaching and there's a lot of interaction with me you know within this process as well so that's that's where I put all my love at the moment so (laughs) we all better sign up (laughs) Uh uh-huh thank you for listening to this episode of thank you next Make sure you share this episode with someone who needs to know who their A-list is, their B-C list and their E-list because I decided that the E-list is for idiots. Who's on your E-list? I don't know. I need to think about this. I haven't finished my abundance meditation yet, but once I finish that... Oh, yeah. I can't write 50 people. It's really hard. But once I finish that, I will do an A, B, C, D, E list. But who... Okay, wait. How far have you got on that list? I'll tell you now. Here's my Kardashian notebook that you got me. There we go. I've got 18 people. Okay, that's good. You're doing really well. Oh, do you think? Okay. Yeah. All right, that's fine. I've been trying to add a name a day, but I need to do like five a day to get somewhere. Okay, so wait, what is the list again? 50 people who have influenced your life positively, who you've learned something positive, life-changing from, Mm. who have shaped you in a positive way. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot, but it does make you realise like where your influences come from and stuff. 
I guess. I don't know what it's there to teach you, but I'll find out once I move on to the next stage. I feel like as well, if you look in the... Sometimes there might be someone who just picked you up when you're down or gave you a bit of encouragement here or there, you know? It's probably loads of them. Uh, also send this episode to people who need to figure out their boundaries and people who need to learn how to say no. Email us or leave us a voice note because we love hearing your voices. It's hi, thank you, next podcast at gmail.com or you can slide in the DMs on socials with thank you, next pod on Insta, TikTok and Twitter. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit subscribe or follow on Acast, Spotify, Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. And do not forget to give us a review so other people can find us. We have some very nice reviews right now. We do. We have very cute. One from my housemate. Thank you. That Was it Rachel? Yeah, yeah. One from Rachel. Thank you, Rachel, for the review. We really appreciate it, babe. Lol. We'll be back next week with more shit we want to say thank you next to. In the meantime, stay away from serial killers. Wear your mask because people are getting colds and I've got one, so wear your mask. Yeah, uh, and if you're feeling sick, I hope you feel better. Oh, thanks, Raj. I think that was just for me. (laughs) It was just for you. Okay, bye. Bye, guys. Thank you. Night.